On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network, featuring special guest Brett Emmons, lead singer of the Glorious Sons. Hello, this is Loose Cannon. Loose, uh, this is the IRS. Uh, we're here. You're on the run from us. I, uh, I actually filed my extension, and I did. It. I filed an extension <laughs> for the last three years. So I tell, I'm telling you, I, I finally will file them. But again, they're all extended. Uh, yeah, you, you're kind of pushing the extensions. Is kind of why I'm calling. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I will block this number going forward, or is this, <laughs> or is this actually Baco? Unless you have a new uh, new employer after twenty five years at the printing establishment. Welcome to Covers and Fire, Loose. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Hey, I'm. I'm. Um, thanks for calling me in my mobile studio, also known as my car. I am sitting here. It's <laughs> it's eighty five. It's eighty five degrees, and I have the air conditioning off. So let's make this kind of quick because I'm beginning to sweat. All right. Well, uh, of course, uh, I am Baco, and I'm joined via phone today with my glorious co-host, uh, Luce Cannon. Luce, uh, we're kind of doing something a little different for this week's episode. A lot of interviews this this year we typically just throw up separately, but I had a, a pretty good one, and, and I felt it was worthy. Of I'm sorry, what? Hold on before you go any further. Um, yeah. I thought you were calling me to do the interview for Glorious Sons with you. You're telling me that's not the case? Uh, you know, uh, you may, you must have misunderstood me. No, I, I did the interview. It was great. You're going to love it. Baco, you do realize in the last week I had somebody smash my car window in, steal my computer, and, you know, I was, I was just really looking forward to, you know, I like the band. I was really looking forward to this interview, and essentially you've smashed my heart. You're going to love the interview. It'll cheer you up. Yeah, okay. Keep going, please. <laughs> Just continue as my week of disappointment, but uh, um, yeah. you're usually a beacon of a beacon of light um, in my in my normal, uh, you know, week, but uh, continue, please. What, well, what no, do you I'm want sad. me to do here? I don't even want to do this now. I'm brought, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to delete the interview. No, I I was I'm very uh, I'm very glad that you interviewed the glorious son because uh, I really like his band. I got to interview um, Brett, lead singer from the Glorious Sons. 
Sure. Who is definitely one of our, you know, up there with like Danko and Mobileflex, one of the, the bands that we really waved the flag for pretty steadily for about the, the full three years of this show, I think. Absolutely. Drink. We get into all sorts of stuff uh, during the conversation. Uh, he's very introspective, not surprisingly. I ended up talking to him for about 38 minutes. Um, typically, these things go about 20, 25, which, you know, also made me think, well, maybe this is something we just put out as a, as a weekly app. I, I think people are really going to dig it, especially if they've in, enjoyed the music we've shared by them. No, I think it's great. I mean, I, can I just give you a compliment really quick? Uh, of course. Okay. Well, I, I just have to say, over the last, I would say, year, your interviews regardless of the person you've you've um, been doing them with have constantly been better and better and i think you've really refined your craft in fact i refer to you i have been meaning meaning to tell you this i refer to you as the walter cronkite of of rock (laughs) interviews without the iconic voice or education that is very flattering (laughs) you're welcome oh This was a very easy interview to do because, you know, I mean, we're both big fans of the band. I know the last two records in and out. There were so many questions I had from, you know, just seeing them. I wasn't able to get into everything because he he has very detailed and long answers, but they're not like long winded. You you get my drift? Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. They don't go on and on. You're like, please, for God's sake, stop. Yeah. He gets into, well, you know, gallivanting. Um, Ooh. (laughs) Uh, now which I was my tease was. on Facebook. Uh, so okay. if you didn't know the meaning of that word, you do now, thanks to me and thanks to Brett for bringing it to my attention. I've heard can it. I tell you, used it before. Sure, but can I tell you what I thought that was referring to? Yeah, well, let's, let's hear, let's I hear thought, it. Okay, I thought that was actually referring to us bouncing stage to stage, gallivanting from stage to stage at Northern Invasion. That was, yes, that was yes. my and guess. This, this coming weekend, we will definitely be gallivanting throughout Somerset, Wisconsin. But hey, let, let's not meander too yeah. much like we always do. Uh, um, do you have any just general? I don't know if you get into it in the interview. Do you have any general facts for people not um, as familiar with the Glorious Sons who maybe are coming in from in you know, the last couple episodes? Like where they're from? I mean, they're from Canada, well, from Kingston, Ontario. We get a little bit of breakdown mm-hmm. of his hometown. Okay, he gets a he talks a little bit about the tour and how they did that kind of stuff. You know, we because you and I always kind of we're we find it interesting that Canadian bands for some reason uh, can't tour the united states on a regular basis and i'll tell you this after hearing his answer i'm still i have no idea why i honestly canada's a big country too and the cities are far more spread out and there's fewer of them you could do a two-week tour on the east coast and hit you know 10 cities bigger than you know uh kingston man i I don't understand either maybe something to do with crazy taxes moving your equipment there i mean having to buy health insurance I mean, Danko, right, liability for the tour. I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, I mean, Danko didn't give us a clear answer. And did you hear that Danko has a, uh, a new America, yes. uh, American tour? Can you break Tell, down? The, no, the, I the, think the, you should break it down. Tell the people Danko's first North America, uh, United U.S. tour in, in whatever, five, six, seven years, however long it's been. Yeah. Tell us that about was, it, that, Luz. Sure. That was posted on Blabbermouth, another great Canadian rock, straight up rock band. And, uh, that tour is uh, two dates in California, and he's getting the hell out of the United And it's not even yet. like two ends of California. They're both down oh. there at the bottom. You know? You know, he's not like two, doing like, Anaheim and San Diego. It's uh... Yeah, they're, they're checking into the Howard Johnson and, and getting the F out back to, back to Canada. <laughs> I mean, to my God. I mean, these Canadian bands, though. I mean, I mean, in summary, I mean, Gloria Sons. I mean, you'll get into it in the interview, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, two albums, solid, both of them. 
uh, last year was both of our top, and we both had the pretty much the same exact experience that we detailed in the last episode. Yeah. So excellent live. If they happen to be near you um, uh, at all, go see them. That's the, that's the summary there. Yeah, and we get into it in the interview, but they're on tour right now with the Strut, so uh, look for that. Ooh, that's a great combo, too. Yeah, I'll be seeing Fun. that the day after you leave, head back to Denver. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Timing is always good, but at least I got to see 19 screaming band, uh, screamo bands on, yeah. a, on a Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to Grandfather <laughs> or Grandson. Uh, godson, or God, grandson, yes. Whatever. That and, and, and Fever Fever three three three, which by the way is, if you were hoping that there was a second band emulating the sound of Hollywood Undead, there you go. <laughs> so to summarize everything, uh, Northern Invasion is coming up this weekend. What is that? The twelfth and thirteenth of that, May, that's right. and mm-hmm. uh, Luz yep. Cannon and Baco will be ready to hang out with any Cobras and Fire. Hit us up on Facebook. We'll track you down somehow. Yeah, I just want to summarize. I'm really looking forward to. Uh, getting together with you and a lot of uh, several other friends while I'm up there visiting in Minnesota. And while the lineup could be better, it's still going to be a great time. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. It should be a lot of fun. Every, every year, I think, oh, this lineup's disappointing, and I have fun both days. Yeah. And there's a couple discoveries there. We've got Spirit Animal. Uh, just a few, few to, we'll probably feature them in a, few, uh, in a future episode. The Blue Stones. I can't think of all of them right now, but, but, um, but in summary, wouldn't it be great if there was a lineup and you can throw some out there too? Of, you know, if it's got Danko Jones, Them Evils, which yeah. I think their new album is great, straight up rock. You know, the, obviously the Glorious Sons, Boba Flex, uh, uh, Red Wilson. Sun Rising is there. Wilson, who's didn't, was supposed to be there, there. fuckers. Well, um, you know, and, and in general, a Red City Radio, which is a new one that I don't mm. think you know of as much. And you know, no, but you guys are talking more, about it. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, things like things like the Struts more more maybe not theatrical but just fun live bands would be a nice variety don't you agree i do agree someday we hope that that just straight up rock and roll comes back and danko's talked about this there's a difference between heavy metal and just rock bands not getting as much play wildlife um, the biters anyway we need a cobras and fire fest we really do wouldn't that be a great name other than rock Rocktober and rock like that, and then the Cobras <laughs> and Fire Fest. We need to organize. Hell, there's a Rock and Pod Expo. Let's do our own thing, dude. Yeah, let's Come do on. it in the parking lot of Rock and Pod this year. <laughs> we'll have Danko. We'll have fucking Red Sun. You know, you guys want to go see Vinny Vincent, or you want to fucking get your ass kicked by Wilson? Probably go yeah, see I mean, Vinny Vincent, knowing the people I going mean, to the Rock and Pod. But yeah, I mean, I mean, if, if since I can have everybody show up for free, that's what we'll say. Hey, if you want to play next to a Cracker Barrel and uh, Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> uh, you know, museum for free in a parking lot, come on down. We'll just put out the invitation. Just throw it out. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, all right. So you want to get to this? I, I'm excited. I, I think you're going to love this interview. It's uh, it was definitely a pleasure for me. You know, maybe not the biggest celebrity on the planet, but somebody I, I feel very passionate about. And it was it was a lot of fun to get to know Brett a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, Baco and the Glorious Sun.
this is going to be a little bit of a a gush gush fest because I am a pretty big fan. So hopefully I can <laughs> I, I can get through. <laughs> By all means, <laughs> uh, all right. I could I could use the boost in confidence today. Uh, all right, Sorry. well I I think I can deliver that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, very cool. I'd like to welcome to the program Brett Emmons of the Glorious Sons out of Kingston, Ontario, born and raised. Yes, sir. Uh, what's it like growing up in Kingston, Ontario? I've never been. Well, I was in a town called Odessa, which is, you know, about 15 minutes, 20 minutes outside, which actually had 600 people in it. Um, so I guess it's not actually Kingston. Um, but uh, it was it was a small town. I used to, you know, walk home from school, sometimes jog, sometimes take the bus. There were 600 people in my high school. Uh, you know, a lot of families... Uh, you know, I'd been there for the better part of 50 years, so you heard the stories of the old fights between the Bath Boys and the Amherst Boys and the Odessa Boys, and, um, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of, uh, I guess it'd be similar to an all-American kind of upbringing, what you'd see on Friday Night Lights, uh, if you turn the TV on and watch uh, that drama shit on TV. Um, <laughs> but, uh I say that because I say that actually hypocritically because we actually just put it on on tour on the last tour and I got addicted to it for about a week. Um, but, I know what that's um, like. Yeah, but uh, I moved into Kingston at uh, 18, I think I was. And, you know, it was kind of like, I guess it'd be like for somebody else, you know, moving to New York City or something, even though it's a much smaller town, there's about <laughs> 130, 140,000 people in it. That's um, pretty big. Yeah, and I, and I kind of just, you know, got sucked into the uh, culture of playing at the bars and drinking and meeting all the townies and hanging out and, um, you know, just kind of getting to know everybody in the city, you know, at least all the townies that like to drink and Cool. hang out and uh you know it's 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 a great it's a great city it's um it's it's small you know the downtown core is very very small and everybody knows each other um and it's very friendly and it's it's you know driven by you know food culture and arts the arts and you know there's there's a lot of musicians and a ton of bars and it's right on the water <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a real nice place all right. Um, well, maybe I'll come visit you some uh, next summer. Not this summer. You I got should. Plans. It, it, yeah. you, you might. You might stay there longer than you than you'd hoped. Yeah, but, you never uh, know, man. I've lived in Minnesota my I, whole life. I'm used to the cold. So, uh, <laughs> well, I'm still here, and I've been I've been telling people I was moving out for about three years now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Young Beauties and Fools came out last October, and um, I got to tell you, it it. It immediately became my album of the year, um, and it still really hasn't left my car very often. Let me ask you a question. I mean, I think you're really a phenomenal lyricist. Uh, the lyrics on this record are, they're almost younger than The Union. Like, The Union is almost told from, like, a, an older person's perspective. This album, I don't know, it almost sounds like a, a I mean, how old are you, Brett? Let me ask you that real quick. Uh, I'm 25. Okay, so this kind of this this a lot of these lyrics seem almost autobiographical of your life. Maybe in the last couple of years, was that kind of the intent? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. They, you know, the songs were 
created from probably, I guess, 21 to 24. Okay. And we released it when I was 24. Um, so, you know, it's the better part of three years spent in downtown Kingston kind of my brother said I was gallivanting around town, um, <laughs> you know, waking up with hangovers, um, trying to make sense of, you know, the person, the person that I offended the night before. Or, uh, <laughs> Did you ever ha- or, look you in know, your wallet and wonder how much money you spent? Oh God. I, I, I spent every single dime that I made off of the union in the bars, uh, Way to go in nice. the bars at downtown Kingston. It was it it was a it was a it was a shit show. The last the last few years have been a shit show. I've I've started to finally uh, you know <laughs> get a little bit of a routine in order. I guess a bit of one. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 all you know loosely autobiographical. It's all from a personal spot, and some of them are some of the songs are you know pretty much word for word ex- exactly about my life but I, I can't say the whole thing's autobiographical I like to say semi-autobiographical and I think I think with the union thing what you're talking about how I kind of was speaking from an older place I think that was kind of because I hadn't really found what I wanted to sing about okay. at the time I I hadn't really found a voice at that time I was like 18, 19, 20 when I was writing those songs and you know I'd only been seriously writing music for six five or six years and only. you know yeah. <laughs> well yeah I guess I guess you can say that but um, yeah. I think that I really kind of I was pushed by the producers to write about myself on this album and you know it kind of unlocked something in me and a lot of that stuff was you know, about things that seem very, you know, meaningless, I guess. A lot of the stuff on the Young Beauties and Fools album, they're not, they're not big topics. They're not about, like, you know, sure. political things or any, like, hugely existential things. But they're about a young kid going through changes, uh, trying to figure out what's going on in his life and who he's going to be and who he's been. And I think I kind of figured out, um, you know, what I could write about, and that was myself and my family and my friends and mm-hmm. my city, and you know, like it's very <laughs> authentic. It, I mean, you deliver the the songs vocally. I mean, you're you're a phenomenal singer. I told you this is going to be a bit of a blow fest, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, let me touch on something. I caught you in Minneapolis just a couple months back at Seventh uh, Street Entry. Um, yeah, you played a song called Ruby that I'm, I'm not familiar with. I've, I've since learned that it was on your debut EP. But you mentioned th- you talked about writing the song just before you played it, and you mentioned that at the time you weren't a singer yet. I, explain that to me a little bit because you you come off almost I don't know so naturally gifted as a singer. Like it almost seems like this would have been something you would have been doing long before you, you got good at, at writing songs or playing music, you know, how is it that you weren't already singing if it, you know, at, at, I don't know, what, what would you have been 16, 17 years old at that point? Well, I would have been 18 at that point, I think. Um, and I had, I had been singing, but I had just gotten back from Halifax and joined the band kind of on a whim. They kind of let me into the band as a favor <laughs> because I yeah, was, they owe you I'd one, come man. on <laughs> <laughs> because I'd come on some, you know, hard times and 
they already had their thing going and there was two other singers my brother was okay. one of them and uh Andrew Young who had actually who left the band uh two three years ago now um was a singer as well so I kind of you know was I guess elbowing my way in writing songs you know they knew I was gonna sing but I wasn't I wasn't the main focus at that point and okay. you know that and that was that was okay to me but at the same time I ended up just kind of writing more songs and bringing more songs to the table than everybody else and and by the time we went to produ- uh, release our first album and record it with John Angus he kind of just heard my voice and said you know that's that's the one that we want to put forward and and uh, it was kind of you know a little bit of a thing within the band obviously it was hard for everybody to kind of accept that um but you know and it, it ended up working out in the long run clearly um but yeah i i always i have a i have a, a bit of a um a love hate relationship with singing i actually some nights i fucking hate singing um <laughs> you, you know if I could sing the way that I sing in my apartment, in my basement, when I'm writing music to myself, uh, and it could be that relaxed and without, uh, without any kind of, you know, pressure to hit notes or, you know, not be off. Um, I would, I would, I would love it at all times, but I, I'm the type of guy who, you know, I, I, I get in my head about it a lot. And I, I also put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm a very competitive soul and, you know, I want to be the best singer in the world. I want to be the best songwriter in the world. I want to be, I want to be, you know, the biggest band in the world. You know, it's just, it's, so I think, I think what happens in that instance is I kind of, sometimes my confidence gets shot, but, uh, I think my, I think my diluted, uh, mind makes up for it. There's a handful of Canadian bands that are among our favorites. Like, uh, it would be, with, along with you would be like Danko Jones and and Monster Truck, uh, or a couple of uh, yeah. Um, both of them have talked about the struggles of touring the United States. You just kind of came through a nice little two or three week trek. I don't know. Forgive me if I'm stating that wrong, but uh, was it? What are? How did you do on that? I mean, was it okay? Is it? Was it a struggle? I mean, how many people did you bring with? Well. We brought, we had a uh, tour manager, merch guy, guitar tech, and um, a sound, a front of house sound guy. So um, 10 and people, then we had huh? the, Yeah, and then we had the full band, six guys. So there was a lot of people on the road. Um, Where did you sleep? <laughs> uh, we, 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 we actually sleep in an RV that okay. we um, rent, which is comes out as being far cheaper than doing the whole van thing and getting hotels. What about um, showers? Did you do the Planet Fitness thing? I've heard about that a couple of times. Well, uh, sometimes that's kind of like a personal choice. Uh, if you want to pay the money to go have a shower, then then you do that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm infamous for, uh, it sounds bad, but I'm infamous for going, you know, months without showering if, if I if I, <laughs> if I have to. I, I don't give a shit. Um, oh, it's just kind of, I don't know what it is. I, I was actually a pretty dirty kid. So, uh, you know, I think, I think that's kind of a piece of me that never really changed. I don't, uh. you know, with that tour, it was, um, it was, the numbers were up like crazy at the shows. We had a single, everything is all right. That was doing pretty good, yeah. um, in the States, at least better than any other single that we had out. 
uh, ever before. And um, the numbers were up at the shows. You know, morale morale is very high in the camp right now, and we're having a lot of fun. That's um, good. I the the problem with the states is that it's just such a huge country, and you could be a, a rock star in Canada, um, and you know that doesn't mean that you've come even close to the you know. I don't know how many bands there would be down there, but there's, you know, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of cities that are, you know, bigger than our fifth biggest city in Canada. So it's different, you know, all of our money, not all of it, but a lot of our money, um, our time, you know, it, it gets funneled down from Canada into the States, you know, and we, we work really hard down there. But I think since we've released the album, you know, the, uh, morale has been real high, and we know what we're fighting for, and we're having we're having a lot of fun. and And you got to make the best out of the out of the nights, no matter what. It's mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like a uh, I'd rather be you know framing houses in the middle of the winter outside. You know, I I I I've got an opportunity to speak to people all over North America and you know now the world's kind of opening up a little bit good and and I I plan on I plan on winning over you know whoever's in front of me it so it is it is tough but at the same time uh, I think that you know 95% of people are doing a lot tougher jobs than we are and um, I'm we're, we're pretty blessed to be able to just you know make art and go and go and show it to people that's our job our job is show and tell how come you're not playing heavy well the reason i don't play that song is because i wrote it when i was 19 20 years old and i wrote it about a couple friends who you know were being disloyal and i i think that i kind of did myself an injustice um with the way that i portrayed the song and I'm not a very violent guy. I've never really believed in violence. Um, and it comes off as a very violent song. And, mm. you know, it, it started to show itself as that way when, you know, certain, certain, uh, certain people were coming forth and, you know, offering us spots on, uh, military sites, you know, one, one site oh, actually okay. offered, offered to, offered to, put the song over top of a 10 minute video or something like that of them just you there was actual footage of people getting like shot and like Mm. bombs bombs hitting the ground and stuff and i as soon as that shit starts happening i don't want any piece of it the song was supposed to be metaphorical right yeah it's a character it's not literal and it came and it and it came off as very violent and Mm. you know i i I just got tired of, you know, spreading that kind of message to people and I, I changed, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was a very different person when I was 20 years old than I am now at 25. And, um, I, obviously there'll come a time when we play it again and okay. you have to come to terms with it because fans do enjoy <laughs> it. And I don't, I don't mean to rob people of their experience every night, but you know, I got to find a way to kind of, uh, compartmentalize that in my brain and 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 figure out why I'm singing it before I actually uh, start singing it again. I get I I just I got tired of you know the things that the things that it was representing and 
and you know the the people that uh i just get i guess people were using the song you know in a in a sense that i, I never believed in yeah, I mean, I I get that, and I respect the the decision there. I I I will tell you that would be if I if I had to complain, and it would really be hard to make me complain about the show I saw. That would be it. I said I wanted to hear heavy, <laughs> uh, but it, it is a great song. It, uh, my lord, I, I think it's one of the best written songs I've ever heard. Uh, oh, thank you. But uh, I I understand what you're saying. I wouldn't want to necessarily be attached to that. I, I it's not fair that people are taking it out of context and robbing it from people like me hearing uh, an amazing band play it. But again, uh, well, gush gush gush. And you, you know what is when you write a song, um, you you expect people and you hope people to take their own meaning from it. You know mm-hmm. that's that's your job as a songwriter and that's part of the business. Um, yeah, so but you, you don't necessarily really expect a meathead to turn a metaphorical song into a literal interpretation of a military aggression. You know, uh, I yeah. don't think that. I think that's kind of taking it too far. Well, yeah, and and we had people, you know, actually, we had somebody tweet us. I don't remember the band name, and uh, they tweeted us that it was a highly offensive song. You know, filled yeah. with uh, nationalistic uh, viewpoints, and and uh. you know. People need to understand that it's just a fucking metaphor, you know. Uh, I might and, actually insert a rant in the middle of our interview where I explain how that idiot's wrong. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't, you know. For one, I don't. I if if I have an opinion about that, you know, you're gonna know. I, if uh-huh. if if I really thought that way, you know. I have the mindset where I would be like Ted Nugent. I would, I, everybody would know that I'm the fuck, I'm the dickhole in the room, you know, talking yeah. about it. You know, I'm I, with I, you. I would, That's how I, would, I feel about stuff too. Yeah. I would let people know, you know, I, as soon as we released that song, I would let people know what, you know, if it was about that, but that it just wasn't the case. And, you know, I, uh, I, I just don't, I don't want to, I don't want to support any kind of violence or aggression. You know, we get people fighting at our show sometimes and mm-hmm. nothing pisses me off more than seeing, seeing people, you know, getting, beating the shit out of each other and bloodying up and girls getting knocked over and you know, I don't know. Anyway, but moving on. I get, <laughs> I could talk I, I, I get your point. This. I get your point. Uh, I do think it's a great song. Uh, hopefully uh, down the road you'll come to terms and, uh, and, and you know, bring it back. But uh, I, I understand what you're getting at there. Um, one thing is I wanted to mention is that we've actually spoken before. I interviewed you at Northern Invasion in 2015. It was you, your brother, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Chris. Chris? Uh, yeah. Chris, yeah. Um, wow, yeah. Uh, we interviewed right outside. I don't know if you remember the the, the layout there, but basically, I, I wasn't able to salvage anything of it. And you talked about something that I wanted to go back to. Hopefully, uh, you can be as eloquent as you were then. But at the time, Gene had talked. Gene Simmons of Kiss had talked about rock being dead, and you had made some comments, basically saying, you know what? Rather than just dump on rock and roll, why don't you do something? And, and maybe you, you're in a, a position of influence. Maybe you could help out some younger bands. Do you? remember uh, anything about having that kind of comment or, or feelings about that that you can elaborate on well yeah I remember when around that time he there was an article and he was talking about rock and roll being dead uh, and you know I think uh, looking back on it I'm pretty sure that he was speaking about you know the industry and 
how it's not set up for you know rock gods right. or for 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 I guess uh, I don't know how you'd say it, but rock and roll bands to do well anymore. Um, and a part of what he's saying, I I, I could agree with. Um, I don't really remember the exact quote, so I I apologize if I'm, sure. if, yeah. I'm if I'm <laughs> getting it if I'm getting it wrong. Um, but I don't necessarily disagree with everything that he's saying. But you know, you got a guy there who is a part of you know one of the one of the most famous rock bands of all time, and I just think that it was irresponsible. Um, and I d- I don't myself I myself am a bit jaded sometimes with the way that you know the music industry is going and um, you know the way people are listening to music and you know sure. who our heroes are our heroes are people who you know drive fucking Ferraris and uh, and wear you know $10,000 coats and nobody 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 at all cares about you know I, I I guess my problem with it is that the people who the people with the with influence and power aren't 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 trying to tell people that they don't need that fucking ninety thousand dollar Ford F one fifty to park net in their driveway <laughs> so they can impress their neighbor. Um It's almost you know, like they're watching their that, family drowned and they're they're saying, Yeah, that's the way it is. Look at my new watch or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I just think that, you know, music is more materialistic and and uh more materialistic than ever. I I I, I popular music at least. And you know what? That's not a knock on anybody. I just think, you know, people's values nowadays aren't really lined up to, you know, lined up to deal with the fact that you know, that's one of the biggest things poisoning, you know, American, mm-hmm. North American culture in general. Um, but well as said, far man. as the rock and as far as the rock and roll, I'm getting off topic now, but as far as the rock and roll thing goes, I think that what rock and roll needs is a band who's willing to step into the 21st century, <laughs> willing to push rock and roll forward, willing to wear their hearts on their sleeves, willing to be confident, you know, even cocky about it and just go and and freaking turn heads one at a time you know it's got to be done it's got to be done the way that it was done you know when Aerosmith was touring the country yeah. all the time it's got to be done in the clubs and it, it'll happen something will stick and people need to talk about what's going on nowadays we're living in 2018 we're not living in 1978 anymore we don't need any more bands that sound like the 1960s that's not what rock and roll needs rock and roll needs a prevalent band speaking about the real issues the real people the real things that are going on in life right now i can't i don't know what it was like to have a brother that died in vietnam right i don't know i don't know any of anything about that era i wasn't born it was years and years before i was born but I know what it's like to have a, have a friend hooked on fucking heroin. I know what it's like uh, for, you know, for people all around you to be dropping like flies from from fentanyl. You know, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be growing up in 2018 and for social issues and times to be changing and wondering where, you know, 
where your place in that is as a 25-year-old male. I, I, I know what that stuff is like, and somebody in the fucking genre of rock and roll needs needs to start talking about that. It's gotta it's it's gotta stop being cover acts. It's gotta be real rock and roll about the real things that are going on in real time. And you know, I'm I'm trying to. It doesn't have to be always political, but it's gotta be relevant. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying myself. I'm I'm trying to build my voice up enough so that I can talk about these things and learn. And you know, I don't. If we never get famous from that, uh, I don't give a shit because I know <laughs> that when I send my friend, you know, a song about him and his life, that it actually helps him, and that there's people who don't have a voice or an outlet to go to and find comfort in nowadays. Not. You know, and I, I'm nothing against old people because <laughs> I'm not trying to knock anybody. Hey, but, I'm I'm but, I'm almost twice your age, and I'll tell you this: this is your time. I had my time. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm going to tell you flat out: one of the, you were one of the five bands that re-energized me in new music. I was done. I was like, it's all this good. homogenized crap that they just keep churning out. And all of a sudden, I hear this band out of Kingston, Ontario, or there's another band called Bobaflex that I'm into, or, or even Danko Jones. There's something raw about him that I love. But it, it, the authenticity is what hit me. And, and there's great, there's great bands everywhere, man. And there's bands working their ass off and writing real music. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Something that I, you, 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 your, your songs have have put the hair on my arms up. You know what I mean? And just it reminded me what it was like to be, you know, 15 or 16, to be young, to be godless, graceless, and young. You know what I mean? Perfect. Exactly. And there's, like I said, there's real kids, you know, going through this stuff in real time Mm -hmm. with, with with nowhere to turn or relate with. No one to relate with, you know? And, and I just, I just want to, I want to hear some people talk about the real things and I don't I don't I don't give a fuck about the car people drive or the fucking thirty dollar thirty thousand dollar chain around their neck or yeah like all that shit that's all obsolete that doesn't mean anything and I get why people do it I understand that a lot of people who have never you know who 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 grew up in life and you know a lot of a lot of great uh, artists you know grow up in hard times and mm-hmm. And and that's why people turn to materialistic things because they they've been taught that that's that that's the that's the answer that 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 that's that's what happiness is and that's what that's what they're teaching you know that's what the American dream is you know buy this buy that step up you know get that get that raise yeah. so you can so you can so you can lease a car that cost $500 more a month. You know, it's, it's, and I, I don't know. I just think, you know, <laughs> that there's, there's bigger things than all that. All that shit means nothing. Somewhere in there is the manifesto for our show, but, uh, um, <laughs> I, I, I've kept you a little longer than they, they wanted me to, but I, I, I'd like to, I think it's a great segue. If I could just kind of touch on some of my favorite lyrics of yours, uh, largely from the new album, and you can kind of give me some thoughts on, on where you're at coming from on these. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. On my poor heart. There was the one of the right as the song kicks in. You say, "I lost my wallet and my keys." Yeah, I lost my wallet and my keys. Lost somewhere around with my 
with my dignity. That one that reminded me a lot of being about your age. Uh, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? I'm guessing that you got drunk and woke up the next day and you don't have a wallet and your keys are you haven't you have yeah. to figure out how to oh, yeah. how to handle that. Well, yeah, and I'm I'm absolutely infamous for you know not being able to keep anything around. I I don't I don't uh, things don't stick with me long. And the things, the things that do always seem to come back to me magically. I don't know how, but um, I, I, I do not, uh, I do not keep things, keep things well. And uh, you know that that I've 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 lost my wallet probably, you know, over fifteen times in my life. Um, yeah. It just it, that's that's the way that that's the way that I am. I'm a I'm a pretty big airhead sometimes. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty. That's you're right. That's pretty self-explanatory. Um, everything is all right. There's a line that uh, I'm the closest thing my mother had to a daughter. I'm the closest thing my mother had to a daughter. I used to be ashamed of that, but now I'm kind of flattered. Uh, I, I'd like to think that I I know what you're talking about there, but let me let. Why don't you explain? Well, I think I think that you know. I think that as males, we we grow up with a lot a lot of pressure um, to be to be you know strong and to to be macho and to be competitive and uh, you know to to be a man's man. You know, we we're taught that there's this image of who you're supposed to be. Just like for females, you you know, in the magazines, you know, basically from from five years old, they're they're showing who who they should be, what they should buy, what they should wear, how to do their makeup. You know, same thing goes with males in a sense where we're taught, you know, what it is to be a real man. And I kind of have struggled with that my whole life. Okay. I'm the youngest of three. I've got two brothers who, you know, are are r- relatively. I guess the best way to describe it would be. They're kind of, they're kind of like. There's a Sopranos line: the strong, silent. I think it's Gary Cooper type. Um, uh, they're they're kind of the epitome, at least, of you know, what it is to be a male. You know, they work hard. Mm-hmm. They're strong. They don't cry. Uh, and I was that third. I was that third kid. You know, attached to his mother's hip. Um, you know. I was a psycho. I was a little tyrant. I was a baby. I cried all the time. I was, I was, uh, I was my mother, a famous, a fame. My mother thought that I was going to be a female and was going to call me Samantha. And I think she kind of like, I don't know, maybe raised me a little bit that way to be sensitive and, you know, to be that way. And I just, I had trouble, you know, kind of navigating that my whole, my whole life, you know, because, you know, to some people, I was this, you know, big, strong, competitive, you know, fiery person who, you know, I'd try to, I would try to kind of show that to be myself. Um, and deep down, I'm, you know, the most sensitive, you know, loving, uh, kind of mess that you'd ever meet. And (laughs) I don't mean to call, I don't mean to call all females or daughters a mess, but, you know, I, I was, I was the, I was I was not very masculine at all, and I and I have come to terms with that, you know, as I've gotten 
older and it's allowed me to kind of, you know, figure out some stuff about myself and understand myself a little bit more than uh, I would have if I had continued, you know, thinking that I was a big macho idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I that's exactly the way I took it. Uh, good, good. Um, godless, graceless, and young. I got to tell you that when I got to this track on the record, when I when I got it first, that line comes up where it's so damn good to be godless, graceless, and you know, I mean, I was I had to stop. I mean, it was just I, immediately I'm like jealous. I wish I wrote this song. I probably <laughs> I'm not no joke. I probably listened to it ten times in a row. Unfortunately, it's not that long, so it didn't take too long much of my time. But my yeah. God, I love that lyric. Uh, I thought graceless was uh a particularly clever way if i is that because drunk doesn't start with g <laughs> you know are you talking when you see when you say you're godless graceless and young is it, it does graceless refer to being inebriated or just oh yeah well the whole thing yeah yeah like that i think the whole album's kind of referring to being inebriated <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had I've, i had that line kicking around uh, for years, I I was just wait, waiting, waiting for the right, the right little nook to fit it into. Um, Everything about that song, the way it starts, the verses, oh my god, the cocky opening, like ain't the prettiest thing you've seen before, like whatever. Take a walk down Main Street. Tell me it ain't the most charming thing that you ever seen. That cold breeze blowing off the lake in June. Just brilliant, <laughs> honestly. Oh, thank you. Uh, it was immediately my favorite song, but of course, as I listen to the record, I, I switch gears on all that stuff. But I guess I didn't have any questions about that. I know exactly what that song is about, but that was one of those ones that time warped me. It's like, oh my God, I'm hanging out with my high school friends again, and we're drinking <laughs> shitty beer, and we're doing something in water. I don't know, but... Good. I'll tell you this, uh, then I, I'll kind of skip ahead here towards, I got a bunch of notes, but we're running out of time here. Uh, you said in My Blood, uh, you you sing in there that uh, your daddy's on the run from the IRS, but in Godless, Graceless, and Young, you also sang they sent the tax man, I lost my job, and I got hooked on oxycodone. So is there really some kind of tax issue in your family that you were dealing with, or is that more of the uh, um, semi-autobiographical part? Um, well, the problem... My Blood was the most autobiographical song on the album, but I had to change it. I had to change the verse because I sat with it for a long time, and it was um, about somebody close to me. And I knew that when I released it, I can't tell you what the verse was. I wish I could, but I, I knew when I released it that it was going to break their heart Okay, uh, to hear it. Um, and um, the IRS... The IRS part in the song actually is just, um, it just fit well with okay. what I had before. Um, so that is not an autobiographical uh, piece uh, that it, that that is attached to the album. Um, so no, I'm sorry to break your heart on that, but uh, no. No, that's the that, that, question, man. It's all good. I've... I've I've got personal tax issues right now, but um, <laughs> no, nobody in my family has tax issues. Okay, well, I'll wrap it up here a little bit. Uh, the Glorious Sons, in my opinion, are part of the future of rock. Let me just ask you this. Does rock need a savior? Well, you know, I think that it's, I think that 
I think that some modesty would 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 go a long way for rock and roll. I don't think that it needs, you know, some kind of Led Zeppelin rock god. I think rock and roll needs somebody to speak to people on a personal level about relevant issues and, you know, real things. Um, I think that it needs to become relatable again. Um, I think people need to tell the truth. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't want to call it a savior because, you know, I, I don't think that the person that's going to change rock and roll is going to be somebody with delusions of grandeur. Um, okay. I think that, I think that rock and roll just, just needs somebody to, t- to speak the truth and, you know, to wear his heart on his sleeve and speak about modern, relevant things and try to step into the 21st century. You know, so I, I don't want to call it a savior because I think that, you know, that would be the wrong term, but it definitely does need a change and it needs, it needs a makeover. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, I think that you'll see it come, you'll see it, you'll see it happen. Um, and I think that it will be, it'll be a bit unintentional. And I also think that it will take you by surprise because nothing, nothing, nothing great ever comes and is, you know, I guess predictable. You know, when Nirvana came on the scene, yeah. and I don't even listen, I don't even listen to that much Nirvana, <laughs> but you have, you have to be, you have to be honest with yourself. And, um, those guys were speaking the truth and they were, they were completely original. And I think that, you know, we're, we're building up a big task, big shoes for somebody to fill, but, um, <laughs> It needs, it needs to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm asking you guys to do it. So, uh. well, you know what, you know what, we we we're trying every day, and I think there's a thousand other bands that are trying every day. Um, and yeah, I think that I think that all you can ask of people is just to put themselves on paper and to uh, and to, and to keep playing. Um, but I'm I'm. Believe me, I'm definitely going to try. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't join. I didn't start doing this to speak to as little people as possible. I want to speak <laughs> from a podium in the sky. Right you know? on. And yeah. So thank you very much, Brett. I could not have enjoyed this more. Uh, I am an even bigger fan now. You are wise beyond your years, and I, I, I mean that sincerely. Um, you're, you're starting to tour with the Struts here pretty quick, right? Yes, sir. Yep. I will be seeing you yep. again in Minneapolis. Uh, will you be kind of mingling around like you did in, at Seventh Street? Because uh, my wife would like a picture with you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we'll be out at the merch table. We don't, we don't too, miss too many merch tables in the states. Uh, okay. So yeah, we'll be out there. Thank you so much, Jay. Eh? This is very fun. Thanks a lot. Too many of men watered down. I see too many of fires burn out. I was there to see your eyes attire, and I was there. 
it's a damn thing. I'm never gonna miss a damn thing. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.